You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Hey. Baby, I just checked out the new Hyundai Elantra. How was it? I have to say, it was a pretty smooth operator. Are you sure you're talking about a car? <laughs> it's a tech lover's dream. The digital key feature lets you lock and unlock the doors. And get this, with dynamic voice recognition, I can control the temperature, roll down the windows, and change radio stations just by talking. <laughs> I know you like that. <laughs> you too can talk to the all-new Hyundai Elantra. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Faith Life are the makers of Logos Bible Software and a cloud-based integrated ministry platform which includes ministry tools for worship presentations, online donations, and much more. They have 2 million registered users and are trusted by more than 10,000 churches. Faith Life is hiring full-stack developers and the majority of positions can be worked remotely. They have an average tenure of five years, they have over 200 Glassdoor reviews, averaging 4.7 stars, and it comes with benefits such as a competitive salary and unlimited vacation time. Apply to FaithLife today and write code that matters. Go to faithlife.com forward slash careers. That's faithlife.com forward slash careers. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and I am not your host this episode, but Ryan and Kat are. So in this very first segment, Ryan interviews actor Taylor Page. If you have not already seen this stunning, critically acclaimed film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, then you need to hurry up and head on over to Netflix, because it is currently streaming. Taylor plays the role of Desi May. She's the girlfriend to Viola Davis's character, Ma Rainey, in the film. So we're excited to be able to bring her on the Black Girl Nerds podcast to talk to her exclusively. And in that interview, it is hosted none other than by Ryan. In our second segment, we're interviewing actors Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan. Now, both of those actors appear in the film Wild Mountain Time. If you have not seen this film, you should definitely take a look at it. It's a funny, quirky, romantic comedy, along with John Hamm, Christopher Walken. It's an all-star cast. Listen to this interview first by Kat, and then check out her review on Black Girl Nerds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. And by the way, wishing everyone a happy new year. I hope you guys had a lovely holiday and wishing really good things in 2021. I know it's been a rough 2020, 
but 2021 is going to give us nothing but wonderful, beautiful blessings. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for your support in 2020. Enjoy. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And look, if you are a blues fan, if you understand what it means to struggle and not get certain opportunities because of the color of your skin, please, please, please head over to Netflix. It's out December 18th. By the time you hear this, it's probably already be out on Netflix to watch My Rainey's Black Bottom. It is so um, interesting. And there'll be so many questions. You'll want to talk to your friends, family about this movie. So definitely go check it out. I'm so excited. My guest today, talented actress, Taylor Page, helps uh, shine a light on my rainy story. So Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ryan. All right. So, you know, I got to ask for all the fans, I got to start off the top. Are you ever going to hit the floor again? I got to ask you that off the top. (laughs) No. Oh my God, Taylor, I wasn't, I thought you were going to have like a, a, a juicier answer than that, but you know, I go with, I go with it though. Cause I, I had a lot of feels. I had a lot of feels with, um, with, um, uh, oh my gosh. Why am I blanking right now? Asha. Derek. I had a lot of, yeah. No, I, I yeah. mean, no, I hit the floor was an incredible learning experience. You know, I was 21 years old when I started mm-hmm. that show and and then it was time to graduate and move on to some, you know, to to other kind of stories and storytelling, you know. But it'll all yeah, well, be I, a special part go of ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, hey, it was a special part of me going it because I was in the fields on that. Let me tell you, that was conversations every weekend with the friends about hit the floor. <laughs> well, all right, so let's move on to now what we got. Um, black, um, um, I'm going to, I'm already starting from black bottom, but my Rainey's black bottom out on Netflix. This is such a cool project to see you in, um, such a different light to see you in too. How did you, um, about Dusty May, how did you find out about that? How did you get involved? So I auditioned my, I got it, you know, it came in my inbox, my email and my, I, you know, you read it's first of all, it's, it's August Wilson. So it's, mm-hmm. it's it's he's a he's a prophet it's a dream right and um you know you it's like when george c wolf it's george c wolf and denzel and viola and chadwick and michael potts and glenn terman and coleman domingo who i've also worked with before like these are all like this this is like the ascending frequency that i want to be on you know so Mm. i auditioned and i didn't think i would i don't think i necessarily I, I couldn't believe that it would it went that like I auditioned and then it took a couple of weeks and then I remember I was in Italy with my boyfriend and I had ended up having my call back on Zoom before Zoom was what it is. You know, because oh, it's man. 2019. So you already knew about the tech problems before then. Girl, yes. <laughs> I was out, you know, Italy is ahead of uh New York time, which is where George was. Mm-hmm. So I remember I had set my alarm and I had messed up and I like woke up with like four minutes to get ready and I was panicking and you know that morning I wanted to get up and have my coffee and drink my water my hot water with lemon I wanted to say a prayer to August and my ancestors and like let this you know all of that and the universe was like girl just like this I called her and you know called her well there's no phone but Ma's like you ready we going we going up north and it was it was was that you know pack your bags we going and she's like I'm packed I'm ready let's go I got my hat (laughs) 
And yeah, and what like for for your character though, what is her? Because I have my own kind of ideas that I came up with. But what for you? What was her intention? Like her goal? Because it's very interesting the way she works throughout this movie in the different scenes. Her her goal is to be loved. You know, it's really okay. Yeah, to that, like it's like maybe if I, you know, they all want to be validated and. Uh-huh. Obviously, the funny thing about wanting to be validated is like there's no real validation that ever ends up feeling amounts to really feeling like enough. You kind of have to do right. it yourself. But when you're black, you know, you're always, you know, is but in the 1920s, like uh-huh. to put yeah. put in front of the other just to exist, like to be a woman to me, to be a black woman is to be constantly uh-huh. gaslit. Like your existence is gaslit. You know, and like mm-hmm, the nurturers mm-hmm. and the doers and the cookers and the raising of everybody. And I think like Dusty just wants to feel like, can someone hold me? Can someone love me? Like, can I maybe finally prove to anyone who will give me attention that I that I am um, not disposable, even though I'm deeply right. and feel that like, you know, if I don't do what Ma says or if I don't swing my hips that way or if she's who knows, you know, she's, she can be quite erratic and says things and, you know, what she says goes, but I want me some new shoes and I want me a place to live <laughs> and I want stability. Yeah. I want to build a life. I want to maybe do the next intro on the track, you know? And- right. Now, see, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking for the character whenever I saw her enter into the room. That's what I was, I was thinking. I was like, man, she wants a shot on that mic. She wants a shot on the mic, but she definitely, it, I think it, deeply like the humanness of it is just I hope to find love I hope I can be loved I hope I'm worthy Mm -hmm. of that you know and like she also just is very much like I just don't want to go back I don't know where we're going I don't know what direction we're going I just Mm -hmm. know that like I don't want to go back there right you know it's yeah it's but back there is not even just like physically like you know back to the south but also like back to we are the descendants of slaves we are living in jim mm, crow yeah. and mm-hmm. you're in the jim crow atmosphere you can't even mm-hmm. fart right without being like accused of doing some shit you didn't do you know right and so mm-hmm. it's just like i don't want to go back to the possibility of not ever being heard yeah yeah, it's you can definitely like in the dialogue here is so um even um with your character, you got with uh Validatus, the late Chadwick Bozeman, the dialogue is so heavy here and so much like if you pay attention and it's one of those things you might you guys my uh listeners, you might want to go back, yeah. rewind, pause and listen because you there's just so much that is said in, in some of these short scenes that you can miss. Mm-hmm. Um but speaking of it, like you were talking about being in, this is um the uh Chicago, nineteen twenty seven. Right. We're in a recording studio here. Some of the things, like, what, what really surprised you? Because some things, like, to me, like, I didn't even think about it. Like, the fact of, you know, the area that they had a recording. No air conditioning. Just, right. like, ran down. Like, somebody just picked, like, the worst room you could ever pick. Yeah. They were like, okay, let's just put these Black artists in it. Let's put these Black band members in it. Yeah, it's it's funny because George did that. I, it wasn't originally written where it, it was. it took place in the summer. But George, I think, you know, he's such a genius that added layer of it being hot and there being tension. And, you know, I mean, Ma is wearing a damn fur, but it's just like, you know, it's like us with our, it's us with our, with our shoes and the things that we can buy, because it's like, it's like, I, I worked for this. Like it's, it's so, it feels to me like 
it's it's so symbolic of well the heat in it in and of itself is like things are getting hot everyone's defensive everyone's uh defending themselves and their worth and mm-hmm. hoping for some validation but also like the heat it's funny if you know you know ma and her and her mink and yeah. I was like, I don't know how she still had that fur on. I was like, oh my gosh. Right? And let no me- air conditioner or anything. What did you say? Uh her with her having like the fur on and everything with no air conditioning. Like that was crazy. Like seeing that scene, I was I felt for her. I was like, I cannot even imagine back in those times. But it's right, exactly. No heat. I mean, no air conditioning, no, you know, just a fan and your breath. <laughs> but, right. Um but I think that when, you know, when you think about heat and how the heat is like reflecting off of the surfaces, like uh-huh. it, it, it's also, I think it's symbolic of the energy of like these, they're, they're hot, they're defensive, they're, if you touch them, they just might burn you because they're so, what is underneath all that hot? What is underneath all that anger? It's sadness. Mm, yeah. You know, when you say, you know, you think, you know, Black people are, have always been considered irrational or erratic or, or mm-hmm. overreactive, but but it's like again, gaslit. Well, why? Why? What? What are you emotional about? What are you? What? What do you think? Like right? You know, and um, what do you think this? What, what do you think this? What do you think growing up existing in this time? Like we know what it's like right now, and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. What do you think it was like then? Nineteen twenty, yeah, nineteen hundred, like. You know, no one blinks an eye at all when I feel, you know, a, a white person is finally angry, is is expressive uh-huh. about their anger or their frustration. But it's always, you know, what are you so angry about? Why are you such an angry black woman? Why do you got to uh-huh. be so loud? Blah, 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 blah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Viola Davis, by the way, had my favorite just for the listeners. I know she said um, they don't understand that life's... Um, that that um she they said that she said they don't understand she's talking about white people here when it comes to blues. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, that's the way that it's about um, you don't you sing to feel better, and that you sing because it's the way they understand life, and blues helps you get out of bed. Yep. You know, just things like that, like she was putting on the screen, is just so like it moves you in a different way. And like you said, it's you thinking about that time period, and you're also thinking about now too, people of color, black people in society, stuff that we're still trying to fight. Um, you know, uh, within the system and what they're going through back then, it's just it's really yeah, it's definitely eye open. This film. Well, yeah, the I mean, the blues, the blues is distinct processing to me of African American culture of us, right? But uh-huh. yet you have white artists, which you can see in the film, that are particularly uh-huh. ready, eager to appropriate something that they can right. never really conceptualize. They don't know what these. Uh-huh. Now I'm not to say that that white people don't have that they don't have struggles that they aren't in pain that the mama right. didn't love them whatever but mm-hmm. we're talking about this heavy atmosphere racism slavery humiliation being considered less than human you know like what that does to your soul and how like if you even speak about it or you know if if you if you if you look the wrong way you know they're, mm-hmm. they're you're you're going to jail or you're getting killed. And I think the right. blues is like, the blues is, I think without the blues, we don't have Whitney Houston. We don't have Playboy Cardi. We don't have Kanye. We don't have, we don't have anybody today. Because the mm-hmm. blues is, 
it's like it's the beat it's it's singing about that deep internalized pain and Mm -hmm. just and and but it's also like the power of the ritual and it's very specific Mm. um yeah it's a tangible to me expression of freedom or Mm -hmm. the longing for it right yeah, it's very much, you can definitely, you can hear in their voices and their struggles. Um, you know that they all, like you said, they all have this inner pain, different reasons, different backgrounds. Um, but you know, it's all about the black experience. And I think it's so, I, I literally, they could have added another hour or so onto this film um, um, just because of all the issues and stuff they're talking about. Well, yeah, it's a lot. And it's, you know, I think our experiences now in 2020, like, you know, from, Obviously, you and I know this isn't new. It's Mm -hmm. sadly not new, but I do hope that our experiences now may help better recontextualize the past where people can, you know, apologize and acknowledge and want to do better and be better and genuinely understand, but also it not be made to the Black person to always have to explain. Like, this movie Mm, is for Black people. This movie is, like... August knew you, he sees you, he saw Uh you speaking about it. And whoever it touches and whoever can receive it and process it on their own, beautiful. But I don't think Uh he wrote this for anybody other than himself and for those, for for us. And and that's a form of resistance, you know? Uh Absolutely. Nobody ever really, I think some people give it a hard, have given him a hard time that he seems angry that he, and it's like, yeah, he is angry. He was angry. But you're not. T- uh-huh. you, but you guys weren't criticizing Eugene O'Neill when he made multiple plays about white people and their problems and him being contrarian and you know being Irish Catholic, but also like you know deciding to do things differently and leave Harvard. Like that was that was allowed because it was still, you know, it it's just it's just it's interesting how embedded and ingrained it is for us to let's like let's really zoom in on this. You know, uh-huh. like, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's yeah. Art should be able to. You should be able to express yourself. Yeah, and it's very interesting. You see, when you have certain type of art, people's reaction. Yeah, you know, to hearing a story that maybe they're not. You know, I feel a little comfortable hearing this yep. right now. But guess yep. what? You know, it's reality. Yep. And I hope that because of where we're at in consciousness now, people can be more sensitive and thoughtful mm-hmm. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Without who I feel like, I hope that people can engage in listening better really hear what the yeah oh that's talking. yeah that's very good yep uh-huh. you know? like stop talking you know i'm saying those that stop like hear what hear what the oppressed have to say yeah li- yeah we we could all do a better job of listening just point blank that's right. the one thing a lot of people need to work on right. um but yeah but I, I definitely want to talk to you about the set here because i can't imagine like you know um, I remember reading, um, you know, the Colored Museum by George uh, oh George Wolfe. And this the best. Yes, it is so good. Like I'm just imagining, like having him direct you in some of these scenes, and then you have, you know, of course, the fabulous Viola Davis. Yes. Um, you know, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. But just what was the set like? You know, that atmosphere, just having like all these iconic people around you, know, like you said, being able to share that experience, and you, you know, you're hoping. All of you guys are hoping that you know the list, the viewers take all that, the messages that you guys are trying to throw at the screen. It was amazing. I mean, it was very much felt. We all, I felt like we were all in gratitude and respect, and it just it felt 
it it just it just felt like we knew, you know, you know, when you're when you're really when you're on set, you're not you have uh-huh. to forget that you're filming a movie. It's like, who am I? And what am I serving? Mm, for this? That's a good set right there. If you forget, because I know you guys were a crazy hour. So that's a good set. Yeah. Like, you know, we're we're serving a story and we're serving our ancestors and we're serving those that came before us who never got who were unheard, who who never got to feel valued, who never got to feel like their lives mattered, who never got to know what a dream was other than I hope I can wake up today and not be harassed. I hope I can wake up today and go see my loved ones and see them again after that, you know, like. Very like the simple, simple, uh, you know, the things we take for granted. I think that, uh-huh. I mean, George just, he's not going to let anything. We rehearsed it in such a way that by the time we filmed, we could just play. And we would always have a quiet set for us before we started where we could go over things and block it and discuss it. And, you know, he would come to us individually like, okay, so what's going on with you today? Like you as a uh-huh. character, you know? And just, you know, he, I just love his little boy. He'd be like, how are you? And then we'd start. <laughs> but he was just very much like, you know, he pays attention to the minutia of of what's being felt, of what these people are saying, of like how hot it is. What are they eating? You know, like a lot of these, these, these specific people are, uh-huh. you know, the, coming up from the south like okay if only if i go up there if i just do this if i say this right maybe i'll have a shot at some possibility of something else of some stability of some yeah you know if i if levy if i if i get my music you know then you know i sing it then i'll be have my own agency and then i won't have to rely on being in ma's band like everybody mm-hmm. is kind of auditioning for some validation yeah Um, but yeah it was really created that atmosphere for us to to feel that to do that to be that to to not judge it but to feel it and to honor it Mm because yeah yeah, this well, yeah, this was incredible like I said um you guys definitely got to check out my rainies um black bottom December 18th on Netflix. Um, Taylor, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation with you. I'm glad I got in my hit the floor question. I'm a little sad you're not doing part two, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for watching and thank you for, you know, doing what you do and speaking about just offering a platform to talk about us and, you know, just being interested. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And we cannot wait. We can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And happy holidays. Thank you so much again. Happy holidays. Peace and blessings. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a safe holiday. Make sure you wear your mask, social distance. Bye. I'll talk to you later. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. The Hyundai Elantra is a tech-savvy, smooth operator designed just for you. The Hyundai Elantra is a compact sedan with available class exclusive features like a digital key that unlocks your car with your phone and a 10.25 inch infotainment touchscreen along with dynamic voice recognition that will let you control the radio and adjust the temperature with your voice. For the young at heart who like to drive smart, Introducing the Elantra with the most flavor yet. 
seamless tech experience that puts your phone at the center of everything you do. Locking, unlocking, and starting your car. Designed for better living without breaking the bank. Learn more at Hyundai.com. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about these amazing treats that I got that are so delicious. They come straight from Japan. And honestly, it's the best way to experience Japan. And right now, I need to do that since I can't quite travel there right now. It's called Boxu. Now, I got a box from Boxu. Let me just give you a sample of some of the treats that I got from them. I got some edamame sambai, I got white strawberry, I got handmade yuzu sake candy, I got some organic tea, I got rice crackers, I got a lot of yummy snacks, sweet treats, as well as savory treats in my box. Now, Boxu is an authentic Japanese monthly snack box that is delivered to your door. They partner with 100-year-old family snack makers to deliver fresh Japan-exclusive snacks straight to your home, and every box you purchase supports these small family-run businesses and helps keep their traditions alive. Inside your box, you get 20 to 25 premium sweet treats and teas curated around a fun cultural theme each and every month. You can get your authentic Japanese snacks today by going to boxu.com. That's B-O-K-K-S-U dot com to experience the taste of Japan. If you sign up for their mailing list, you'll get $5 off too. That's boxu.com. B-O-K-K-S-U dot com. Okay, so I have two cats, Carmelita and Coco, and they tend to be a little bit messy when it comes to the litter box. But let me tell you, Kitty Poo Club makes it so easy for them to be a lot more tidy when it comes to their personal hygiene space. Kitty Poo Club is an all-in-one litter box solution that's designed to be convenient just for you. Each month, the Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable, high-quality, and recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. The box are leak-proof, they're eco-friendly, and have a fun design for every season. And there's a no-risk guarantee with Kitty Poo Club, so you can easily customize or cancel at any time. And right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up AutoShip by going to kittypooclub.com and entering the promo code NERDS. Just go to kittypooclub.com, enter the promo code NERDS to get 20% off when you set up AutoShip. That's kittypooclub.com, and don't forget to enter the promo code NERDS at checkout. Green Chef is the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. Enjoy clean ingredients you can trust, seasonally sourced for peak freshness. Green Chef is the first ever and only keto meal kit on the market. It makes sticking to a low carb lifestyle easy 
with recipes averaging only 14 net carbs each. Let me tell you, this is really important. For me, I have issues with high blood sugar. My sugar levels go off the roof. So I was so excited to become a partner with Green Chef and I had the opportunity to try the paleo keto friendly meals and they were not only obviously good for my sugar levels, but they were super delicious too. One of the favorite ones I liked the most was the chicken con queso, which was cauliflower rice with tomato, cabbage, and toasted pepitas. It only took 30 minutes to make. It has two servings and it's only 700 calories. So I really enjoyed Green Chef. I love the fact that this is a keto meal kit that is available to you. I'm surprised that there's not that many keto meal kits on the market. So if you want to try Green Chef, listen, Black Girl Nerds listeners, here's what you can do. Go to greenchef.com forward slash nerds 90 and use the code nerds 90 and get $90 off, including free shipping. You heard me right. $90 off, including free shipping. And that will go straight to your home. I highly encourage you guys to try this out. Especially, obviously, the new year is right around the corner. Everybody's trying to get fit. Everybody is trying to be healthier for the new year. We're all trying to be our better selves in 2021. So why not eat right and you know, if you want to do the keto-friendly, car- low-carb lifestyle, maybe Green Chef is for you. Obviously, there's more than just the keto part. I know I'm really heavy on that, um, but that was what worked for me. But there's also other meal plans with Green Chef. Uh, they have vegan-friendly, so if you are someone that is all about the plant-based lifestyle, you can have that. And if you want balanced living, that's a more diverse, flexible menu with vegetarian, meat, seafood options as well. So if you want just a little bit of everything, you can have that. So again, just for you listeners out there, what you can do is go to greenchef.com forward slash nerds 90. Use the code nerds 90 and get $90 off your order and you get free shipping on top of that. Green Chef, it's the number one meal kit for eating well. So my name is Catalina and I'm with Black Girl Nerds. And it is such a pleasure to be on with both of you because I'm such fans. And to see you in a film together just made my year, basically. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. very cool. Thank you. (laughs) So... Let's start with you, Emily. How would you describe Wild Mountain Time? It's quite hard for me to pinpoint (laughs) it or sort of put it in a box or a certain genre um, space, but because I think it's a very lyrical romance. I think there's a sort of strange fable-esque quality to it. So it's, 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 um, it's definitely an, an escape into a, rather strange and rather beautiful Irish fairy tale. Yeah, I definitely got fairy tale vibes from it. So I am mm-hmm. definitely in agreement with that. And, you know, I think Rosemary and Anthony are both 
in my opinion, charmingly bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. They are. They are. So, Jamie, how would you describe your character and what was it about Anthony that really spoke to you? Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a troubled soul, I think. You know, he has uh, a lot of things that... Um, that he believes he's lacking in, you know, one being sort of confidence. And, you know, I think he's someone who has never uh, allowed himself to believe that he has any sort of potential to do anything. And, and maybe any ideas that he would have have been sort of dampened down by his own father. And, you know, and he has, you know, he has shortcomings. He's really human. He's one of the most human people I've ever played, you know, and all his um, human qualities that some would say are maybe you know, weak qualities. Um, I just loved about him, you know, and I, I related to and his insecurities and his, his um, awkwardness and his um, shyness and his, you know, he's, he's, he's an odd guy, you know, and, um, you know, show me someone who isn't, you know, um, and uh, so it felt like a chance to kind of insert whatever oddness I have, which is very minimal um, into, um, <laughs> Into the, into this, which is actually the sort guy. of, I would say, like ninety nine point nine percent of Jamie's makeup. Mm. <laughs> Maybe, um, but I loved him and I care for him very deeply, you know. And um, he's a million miles away from anyone I've had the opportunity to play before, so that was exciting. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I think this is a role we really haven't seen you in, and I definitely applaud that and would love to see more. Of, of roles like this for you, for sure. And Emily, um, what attracted you to the film? I don't know what he was going to say then. You just censored yourself. I know you can, I saw you go for it and you censored yourself. And I thought, where's he going? You literally went, you literally went, I think, Matt, and then you stopped. <laughs> and I want to know, so you have to text me. Um, I'll text you. Okay, great. Um, what what did you say? I'm so sorry. I got distracted by Jamie's almost reveal of something terrible. <laughs> My question was, what attracted you to the film? Um, I mean, I think so often you really do end up reading scripts that feel so derivative of one another. And um, we've been in a good stretch here of really having to, like, you really have to, I don't know, mine for gold in finding those scripts that are rare and unique and are not necessarily um, a sort of curated version of romance and, and you know, these characters who are always terribly witty and front-footed and self-aware. You know, I think I was so enchanted by um, the humanity of them in all their strange, bonkers awkwardness, you know, and... Um, I think that just feels more true to life in my experience, and um, and I just love that they it didn't follow follow any roadmap. And I appreciate scripts. I appreciate directors and writers who are really uncompromising with a tone and a vision and um, something unique and something that hasn't been uh, influenced by most of the films out there. I look for those, and I, I just found it so lyrical, so poetic, and of course I was desperate to work with John Patrick Shani, because I just, all of his work, you just know you're going to enter into something a bit off-kilter, and um, and the kinds of words we got to say, I remember reading that script going, well, 
who talks like this? I, d I, don't, I don't know anyone who talks like this and I'd like to talk like this. I wish I could, you know. Yeah, there's kind of a poetic, lyrical, even a little bit of a stage presence to the dialogue, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You, you know, mentioning director and writer, what was it like working with him? And did he bring anything specific that is just totally Shanley? <laughs> I mean, and so many general, things, right? Yeah, his general energy is just so shanley and so specific and, um, dare I say it, like peculiar, you know, and I, it, he's he's unlike anyone I've ever really met, you know, and I, like I even remember the first night I, I had dinner with him, you know, um, Emily, um, you hadn't arrived yet and we started the first week we did was a kitchen scene with Walken and, and Dervla Malloy and, and we, I went out for dinner with, Chris and Dervla and, and John Patrick at night. And I almost felt like I should have a, a, a notebook and a pen, just like quoting Shanley. Like he just comes out with so many just unbelievable, like poetic, like little kernels of, of beauty, like talking about like the menu or like, you know, what's on, like it's just, he just <laughs> speaks in a different way to anyone I've ever met, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, uh, the main thing I think that we felt with him, if I can speak for both of us, is that he trusted us, you know, and he said, he sort of said to us, uh, he took us out for dinner the night before, just back in the day when you were allowed to go out for dinner. And, you know, he took us out for dinner and, and basically said, like, I kind of have no idea what you guys are going to do with this, but I'm really excited to see it and I trust you, mm. you know, and that's very freeing to hear as, as, as actors, you know, and... Um, and uh, some, he maintained that trust throughout, thankfully. He's, he's very free-spirited, you know, in his approach. And he's not an overthinker. He, he's not possessive of his own beautiful words. Like, even though nobody else talks like him, as Jamie said, like, when you go out for dinner, you're just completely in awe of, of his language and the dexterity at which he kind of is able to describe things to you. And it's so transporting being around him but even though he doesn't thank god hold you in the same sort of pressure to keep up with him in that way he is so unterritorial about his script he genuinely was like oh what are you gonna do with this like this is interesting to me and he's curious he's like curious as to how you're going to play it he doesn't even really remember what lines he's written <laughs> so it's really kind of wonderful and it's he probably doesn't remember what lines he's written because because he can literally write a line talking about a menu. So it's sort of like, he's just like, he's such a wild person to be around. Yeah, he just seems like a giant romantic at heart. Just giant romantic, yeah. Everything. Yes, for sure. For Did sure. any of that rub off on you guys? Give you a sense of just wonder and just loving life? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that... I think what was pretty aware at the what I was aware of in the end was that I could never write anything like Shanley does, and even the texts he writes here are just so exquisite. So I mean, I think I wish I could write as romantically as uh, John Patrick Shanley. We did this Zoom with all of us yesterday, and we were all talking about what we did during quarantine. And I made several versions of chocolate chip cookies, and John Patrick Stanley wrote about 150 short stories, and you're just like, oh my god, you know, wow. what have I been doing, drifting around my house eating cookies? Banana bread for me. Banana bread all the way, it was a big thing. 
So you guys are friends before, or you knew each other before filming this. How was it working together finally in a film? Um, we didn't really I knew, know each other I, that well before. Okay. I knew <laughs> Emily. It. Share it. It's okay. I, Share it. I, I knew Emily and she didn't know me. I think it's <laughs> what, what, you're, what you're getting to. Um, it was almost know, the opposite be... of our characters. It was like I had zero interest and he pursued me. And no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, he, he certainly pursued a friendship that I don't, I don't remember meeting Jamie. We had met a couple of times apparently and I'm not very good with faces, names, moments in life in general, at remembering them. But uh, my sister is very close with Jamie's wife, Millie, and very close with Jamie. And so we had this wonderful dinner before we did the movie. And then we became fast friends, because once I did remember you, I realized that you were cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, Jamie, you're from Ireland. How is it filming just you know, in your home country. And for Emily, what was it like filming in Ireland and some of the highs and low points? I mean, for me, it was just a big, beautiful, you know, you know, beautifully wrapped gift. You know, I, I, I get to be on the land that I'm from uh, with a predominantly Irish crew saying these beautiful words that the channel is written. And, you know, and, you know, there's nothing like home, you know, if, uh, you know, and and actually, it's crazy because um, I've only, I've been to Ireland once, managed to get back home when we at one point when you were allowed to uh, during this pandemic, and we got back for a few days. And um, but before that, you know, it's the last time I was in Ireland was shooting this movie. You know, and the world was very different then. You know, and there's been a lot of times that I've been during this lockdown that I wish I had. You know ruby red slippers that i could sort of tap together and get back you know and uh because you do there is you nothing. do actually have those i've seen them i do and i tried them and turns out that just doesn't work you know i'm like tapping away clicking away going nowhere um um but it is you know it's 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 your cult especially when you're you know i'm so lucky that i've been here i've had my wife and my three kids and we, we spent every day together for nine months and I, it's brilliant but there's times you know i've been pining for the home, you know, Ireland home, and wanting to take them back with me, and and we, we denied that we haven't been allowed to do that, um, apart from this one quick time. But my dad's not there at the moment, so I haven't seen family, and I think we all have that draw to home. So it's actually slightly torturous uh, talking about Ireland a lot at the moment and talking about uh, home and the people because you know I've, I've been starved of them for so long. Yeah. And Emily, mm. the highs and low points. No low points whatsoever, truly just all high, uh, the full spectrum of high to like sky high. It just was such a pleasure to be in Ireland, to be surrounded by that spirit, not only of the land, but the people who are just extraordinary. They're all so, f they're all comedians and, and, and witty and wise and sort of poetic in their own way. And there's just a kind of laissez-faire attitude there. And I just... I love the whole vibe. I didn't want to leave it. It was just a pleasure. And and the land is extraordinary. You know, the vistas and it's just absolutely stunning. It doesn't look like anywhere else. It's almost Jurassic in parts. And mm -hmm. I think you, you really understand, you know, what Shanley's talking about, where his theory is, his film and the characters are based on his family, that he feels the, the more rural you get, the further you get out into the land of Ireland the more poetic the people get as if they're sort of pulled up or 
influenced um, by the beauty of where they are, you know? It kind of rubs off on them. And I think this film captures that. It's probably why he's written these characters as if they almost speak in verse, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I've only been to Ireland once, but even then it's just a memorable experience. The people, the, the views. And I felt that kind of nostalgia from certain scenes from the film, which was, which is great. So mm. yeah, definitely. Nice. And Emily, you have a lovely voice, singing voice, and I always am happy when I get to hear it. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> the, you know, folksy song titled the name of the title of the film. I immediately downloaded a version after hearing you singing it. <laughs> Whose version? Whose version was it? You know, it was on a random Celtic like, <laughs> <laughs> CD. I, yeah, I couldn't even tell you the name of the person. But yeah. It's definitely it'll, be Kate Ros it'll be Kate Rosby. I bet you she does the most beautiful Ooh, okay. Thank you for that. There you go. A Kate Rosby plug. <laughs> so She's English, so... <laughs> Emily, what was it like for you to be able to sing that part? And then was it originally in the script or was it added later knowing that you had the pipes to do it? Well, no, I mean, I, um, it, it, it was always in the script. It was always there and there as a moment for Rosemary to persuade uh, Christopher Walken's character, Tony, to remind him of love, remind him of his wife, of family, of uh tradition and romance remind him of how much he loved his wife who's not with us anymore um and so it's it's quite a sort of manipulative move on her part to try and move him to tears so that he gives anthony the land really um and i was very nervous on the day i found it really nerve-wracking to sing in front of people still you know which i think people are like yeah right you know mary poppins but i really do i really still get very nervous <laughs> and like my knees are like knocking and i get pretty red and my whole neck breaks out into hives i just find it so nerve-wracking to sing in front of people especially in front of christopher walken and but the thing i appreciated about the experience similar to kind of shanley's approach to everything else which is just uh very free-spirited is we had done a pre-record. I'd done a solo pre-record and then Jamie and I had done a pre-record of our duet and neither of which Shanley ended up using in the film. We just did the live version because the film and the characters are imperfect and so so should the singing and so should the song and it should sound like you're singing in a bar, which I really was. Um, but I have always loved that song. I find it incredibly moving and the experience of doing it for Christopher and looking into those iconic eyes and seeing them start to cry was like just something I will never forget really. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, it's one of those scenes where he starts to cry, so I start to cry. And oh, <laughs> so, and that's the, you know, Jamie and I both, we could wax poetic about Chris for so long because yeah, I think everyone's got this heightened version of him in their heads and he's played quite sinister sort of powerhouse characters and and, and odd characters, but when you meet him, he is so gentle and fragile, and he's very delicate in this film, and I think people forget that about Chris, you know, so for him, the opportunity, and he's such a music man, he like loves movies, loves music, loves, he's a song and dance man, you know, and so he is 
you you get the feeling with Chris he is easily moved he is easily taken there and I don't think people would quite know that about him yeah I, I mean I think I of course I've seen so many of his films but I love him in Hairspray so I yes I get that <laughs> he's so cool but, and, and, and he is a man of few words, so when he does sort of engage with you, it's so fabulous, because you know? it's always something a bit random or something kind of, kind of bizarre. But I remember going up to sing that song, and he was in this kind of green room area in the pub, and he's so quiet, he almost like disappears into the wall, you know, and I wasn't even sure he was there. He's sort of become part of the furniture, and... And I got changed into the dress that I wear and I came out and it was one of the first times he'd ever said anything to me. And he literally goes, you look nice. <laughs> it's like, sort of madly in love with him after that, you know. And I think it's because I was wearing this slightly sort of 70s dress. It was a bit nostalgic for him. And he was like, you look nice. <laughs> so I love that. sweet. And it was just like a voice appearing from a couch. I didn't even see him. <laughs> I love it. I think I have time for one more question. Um, why, or I mean, in my opinion, I think this is the perfect film to end the chaos of 2020. And I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on, you know, audiences leaving this film? What do you hope they take away with them and just really look towards 2021 with? Well, I just think we're all in such desperate need of escapism and I think we're all ready for a fairy tale. I think we're all wanting a bit of a fairy tale ending to the um, uncertainty, fear, and ridiculousness of this year, you know. So I think what this film offers you is something really uplifting. It's kind of wonderful to see a film where everyone wins. Everyone wins. Wouldn't that be nice? It's just, it's, I think to escape cynicism would be really important right now for the holidays. I think we're all craving it. And I think as human beings, we will and we need to get back to a sense of togetherness and uh, I kind of walk into every day with great hope that we'll get there and I think this film will give you a semblance of that. And Jamie, anything to add? I mean, I think Emily summed it all up pretty well there. You know, I just, people walk out with a smile on their face and that, that I'm, I'm happy. Great. Thank you both so much for your time. Thank My morning, you. your afternoon. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Pleasure. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.